Welcome to Business Buzz in 2018. Oh my goodness. I never thought 2018 would be here as fast as it is. I specifically remember New Year's Eve of 1999 when it was turning 2000 the next day. And that does not seem like 18 years ago. Seems like about 18 months ago. It was pretty amazing to see another year go by, but glad to be here. Another, well, pretty pleasant day here in Chico. It's uh, really one of the best weather spots in the whole world when you think about it. So other than a little bit of little bit of that cold weather, but this year's been fairly mild and not too bad. So I think we're we're doing really well this winter and hopefully we'll get some rain starting tomorrow, I think, and that'll help I'm sure that'll help all the farmers and the people who need the rain. So so far it's a great new year. I was actually in the peninsula area of the Bay Area during the holidays this past week. And it was really occurring to me that we really have it good up here in a lot of ways. Number one, the traffic down in the Bay Area, if you haven't been there lately or if you used to live there, it's a lot worse than it is than it was when I was still there. I've been back here as a Chico resident now for 30 years, actually. And over 30 years ago, I was a Bay Area resident for a few years after I got my degree at Chico State and graduated. And what occurred to me being down in the peninsula is all those houses that you drive by, like if you drive by a neighborhood here in Chico, you're looking at houses that might be 300000 250 275 450 whatever that range is that we have here for house prices. Down there, I have clients with relatives in the Palo Alto area. They're tearing down small houses and selling the lots for three to four million dollars. My thought while I was there was, well, with the way the economy works now and the fact that there's so many opportunities for work and income generation via the remote internet access, like, for instance, all the people in the Bay Area who are allowed to work from a home office, even if it's not, even if it's not for like five days a week, there's a lot of people there that might still work two or three days a week from their home office. I happen to have clients here in Chico that do work full-time from their home office for large companies that are based way far away, East Coast, uh, Bay Area, Southern California. So my thought was, why isn't, why is there a 10 to 1 differential between home prices between Chico and the Bay Area? Well, obviously, that's obviously an easy answer. I mean, there's all, that's where the jobs are. That's where there's a lot more people. But my point is, is that over time, with this modern economy and the electronic communications and the way people can work from a home office almost as well as they can from a desk at an office building. I'm sort of thinking that in the long run, we may have a situation where the California real estate sort of averages out and smooths out the curve. In other words, instead of having these giant bumps of uh, low prices in far northern California, medium prices in Chico and in Sacramento, and then these super high prices down in the Bay Area, Maybe, and this is, of course, I have no idea. Nobody can say what's going to happen. But maybe over the next 10 or 20 years, this whole thing will smooth out to where all of the prices in the areas like we live in here in the North Valley end up going up quite a bit, whereas the bubble in the Bay Area has to come down at some point, in my opinion. It always does. And when, when that bubble does drop... It's got to make Northern California more attractive. So I just think there's a real positive to being here as far as the values that could end up happening locally when this economy settles out. I think about it this way. In my opinion, the Internet really did start to be anything real useful. As far as I remember, it was the mid-90s. 
if you look at a website like Yahoo or eBay or some of the more famous ones that have survived, Amazon, most of them started either in the mid-90s or the 97, 98. I don't think there's that many that started early in the 90s. I do remember that my first experience was the one that Sears ran. It was not AOL. It was a different, I can't remember the name right off the top of my head, but it was a way you would log on through a telephone line, and that was the first internet access I remember, and I believe that was the early 90s. My point is, is that from the early 90s to now is only 25 years. Think about the amount of progress as far as internet capability, the way businesses basically rely on the internet all day long. If the internet goes down at an office, everything pretty much stops. That's only 25 years of progress as far as the ability to work with other people. You can send files to other people instantaneously. You can share all the information. Uh, The U.S. Postal Service has dropped way down as far as things like letters, how many people write letters with a pen and paper anymore. Emails completely taken that over. The news services, if you look at the number of people sitting in a restaurant reading a printed newspaper, I mean, the world is completely different since the last 25 years of the internet and the computing power. I'm thinking that this may be in the next 25 years, another whole shift is going to make it even more so as far as a place like Northern California being somewhere where people really do want to spend their time, really do want to have the lifestyle here that's, in my opinion, just so much so much more pleasant than that lifestyle in the Bay Area. I grew up in the Bay Area. I visit there now and then when I have to, but I just don't like it anymore, and it's not very pleasant. And I could see where this whole generation that with the demographics of people reaching retirement age, I can definitely see them wanting to be in a different location than down there. So when they do sell that two or three million dollar home or that million and a half dollar condominium, I think it's going to be very appealing for all of them to come up here and put three or four hundred thousand down on a real nice house on a big lot that they've weren't able to have down there. So I see real good things in the future here. And the contrast of having visited down there for the holidays, it just really opens your eyes to how fortunate we are to be in the place like the North Valley. It's not perfect, but it sure is a nice lifestyle, a nice way to, just a nice daily way to live. I I really enjoy it. And I'm I'm very happy that I've been able to make that work for myself and my family uh, since coming back here after graduating from college and then working in the Bay Area uh, during the 1980s. But like I say, I've been back for like 30 years. So speaking of that, I'm thinking, well, what are some other things that could kind of indicate that we're doing well here in the North Valley, uh, economy-wise, business-wise, There's an article, it's actually from about a week ago, or actually two weeks ago, but I thought I'd bring it up in case you haven't seen it, but it's Tri-Counties Bank in the process of buying another local-type bank from South San Francisco, and they're going to end up merging with this bank, but they're going to call it Tri-Counties. It sounds like Tri-Counties also has a branch in Santa Rosa, And this community, they call it a community bank, not a local bank. So this community bank in South San Francisco could end up being acquired by Tri-Counties. And this article just talks about the CEO of Tri-Counties, Richard Smith, is talking about how it probably will mean new jobs in Chico because the headquarters of this larger bank, after it acquires this other bank, will be needing more you know, jobs in Chico, which is a real good thing. So I thought that was a really, that's a real good uh, business news because the, um, anything that'll bring some jobs to Chico is always a good thing. So I was real happy to see that. Then I had another little follow-up from, oh, a month or two ago when I was talking about the local business here 
and the fact that one of the old standbys from when I was here in college in the late 70s, Baskin-Robbins on Mangrove, that went out of business about a month or two ago, I think, closed its doors. Well, I was happy to hear that this is another article from the Enterprise Record. There's some owners of LaFleur Ice Cream, L-A space F-L-O-R, and they are opening up the old Baskin-Robbins on Mangrove with their new Mexican-style ice cream store. So that really uh, sounded interesting. So anyway, that's good news because that was an empty storefront that's kind of, it's always kind of lousy to drive by somewhere and see an empty storefront and nothing inside and you know it used to be a going concern business and now it's not. The other sad news for local Chico business is the Harrods Music on the Main Street there, right on the corner of 9th and Main, where Main uh, sort of turns into Park. I think that said they've been there for 30-something years. I have shopped there. It was a nice local store, but I think ever since Guitar Center came into the Martin Luther King complex over there near Barnes & Noble, Harrods would have a you know, that's a lot of competition. There's still Music Connection on kind of near East Avenue, back by Spateri's. So we do still have a local music store, which is good. But it's just another sign of the times when a local store like Harrods just can't make it anymore and has to close down. So I'm sure that'll cost some local jobs. And it's just unfortunate. But it's sort of, like I say, it's the sign of the times. And I try to keep I try to keep up with business news for you guys, and the local business, uh, even though uh, everything seems to be going well, the retail side is just, it's just a real tough world for retail. I know the Sears being gone in the mall, I've driven by there, I haven't seen like there's a new tenant coming in, I don't know, I'll try to look that up and keep you guys posted on that too, but that's real sad to see that the Sears is gone, so... I've had a lot of interesting time here in the last week or so with a few days off from work with the holidays, but I've been able to really dig in and this whole new tax law is kind of exciting. I think it's going to save most people a decent amount of money. I had given you a projection back a month or so ago utilizing some tax tables that weren't final and it wasn't, it wasn't law yet at the time that I said that. But I do think the numbers are going to work out that way. I believe that if you have if you have a family making around $100,000, and especially if they have a couple of children, there's going to be some tax savings because the new child credit is $2,000 per child instead of $1,000. That's a real good doubling of the child credit, child tax credit, and... The limitation of income is way higher. The biggest negative about the child tax credit, in my opinion, has been the fact that it phases out so soon under the old law. And when I say old law, remember the new law takes effect for 2018 taxes. We're still doing 2017 taxes right now. So these new laws don't kick in for another year. But it's during this year that they that they are in effect. I always thought it was really unfair if a family made about 140 or 130 to 140, it would phase out the child tax credit. Sometimes they'd get a couple hundred dollars. If they had three children, they should get $3,000 off, but they were getting $600 off, like 200 per child. It's because of this very low phase out, and it just, to me, never seemed real fair. These days, making 140000 is not like millionaire status and... It just always seemed fair that that would be something that would phase out that soon. The new phase out is something around, uh, I don't have it right in front of me. I'm kind of, I'll look it up as we talk. But the new phase out is, um, oh, let me see if I can find it. Okay, for married couples, it doesn't phase out until gross income is over $400,000 and $200,000 for single. That's huge. Very few married couples gross over four hundred. dollars so... Everybody's going to get the benefit of their child tax credits now and their $2,000 each. 
I was very happy to see that. So all of you out there with uh, lots of children you, under 17, you're going to do really well, I think, this year on your uh, next year on your income taxes. A few of the other things that have been clarified better than the time I talked with you before the law was passed, I think the main the main negative about this is that certain people are going to lose what's called employee business expenses. If you're like an outside salesperson and you get paid, say, 80000 a year to earn sales commissions, but in that eighty, you have to spend your own money traveling in your car, uh, riding, going to visit clients, entertaining. I'm going to get back to this after the break. It's a very interesting category, and I'm going to get you guys educated on this new law real well today. So stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Hello, I'm Gary Crossland. Christmas is coming, and for the Bible reader on your list, we have a very unique gift idea. It's the Merged Gospels. The Merged Gospels is the only book of its kind in history. It's all four Gospels, translated from the original Greek, broken down word by word, and reassembled into one flowing story, where only the duplicated content has been removed. That means that you can now read all four Gospels at the same time, without missing anything. And you can order now in time for Christmas by going to mergedgospels.com. Reading the Gospels in merged format takes about 60% of the time because only the duplicated content has been removed. It's not available in stores. It's only at Amazon or mergedgospels.com. There's an ebook version and an audiobook version available on 7 CDs or downloadable MP3s. Once again, that address is mergedgospels.com. Praise the Lord. I'm Sharon Knotts inviting you to join me and my dad, R.G. Hardy, on The Sound of Faith, mornings at 10, here on KKXX. If you are drawn to inspirational preaching, informative in-depth teaching, and biblical perspectives to current issues under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then Sound of Faith is perfect for you, because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 10 o'clock weekday mornings here on KKXX, Chico's Christian Radio. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA, your host today. Been talking about some local business news. Also now I've been uh, trying to really dig into this new tax law. There's lots of interesting things that, like I say, should help. Quite a few people are probably going to get a decent amount of help as far as taxes going down. One thing they don't mention when they talk about the new tax rates is they never really get any changes going to the self-employment tax. And that's that's really one of my pet peeves. If I was in Congress, back in the 08 crisis when the economy really did tank and everybody was sort of out of work and things weren't going good at all, they did reduce the Social Security tax for a couple of years. I think it was in 09 and 10 instead of 7.65% on your uh, of your wages getting taken as social security they dropped that to 5.65 which basically kind of gave everybody a 2% raise in their net pay which was really a good to me that was a real good thing uh they really haven't done that since then there's been real no real change to the social security tax so that's really the one that a lot of small business people really pay the most tax in. With this new standard deduction in the new tax law, there's a lot of people are going to be filing what they call a short form. But if you're if you're self-employed, you're not going to be dealing with the short form because you are self-employed and you have to show your net income on the Schedule C, where your business shows your net and you pay tax on that. But the problem is 
you also pay the self-employment tax. And that's usually the highest portion of a small business guy's tax total. The highest portion of that is usually the self-employment tax. So I would really like to see, I'd like to see some sort of change where we get a reduction in the Social Security tax instead of just the regular tax because uh, a lot of, um, there's a lot of people who are paying, uh, even if they get a tax break on the regular tax, there's a lot of people who are going to be paying pretty much the same as ever because the Social Security tax doesn't go down. The other thing I was disappointed with the new tax law is high incomers with investment income has a 3.8% surtax and it's it's a high cutoff but it's 250,000 for married couples and so that when they say the top bracket's now 37 for a lot of people they really have to add that 3.8% on so it's actually still over 40 so all of the all the brouhaha and all the publicity about lower tax rates Certain people aren't going to enjoy those lower rates that much. And like I say, one of the reasons that it's that way is this surtax and the Social Security tax. So that's my little pet peeve there. Oh, what else changed? Well, the medical deduction threshold went down, so that's good. That's gone from 10% down to 7.5%. So in case you had large medical during 20, if you have large medical during 2018, you still might get some help. Let me see what else is something that would help you guys to to learn the new tax law. You know, one thing that some people are not aware of until they use it or until they need it, did you know that the average family uh, without a real high income, if you do have capital gains that are long-term capital gains, in other words, if you own something that you've held more than a year and you sell it for a gain... If you have that situation, there's a good chance that the federal tax rate on that long-term capital gain is zero. It's an amazing tax break, and a lot of people aren't aware of it until it happens to them. It's like, oh, that's good. Keep in mind, living in California, we have a state tax that runs side-by-side with the federal tax. And so you're not going to get away with it on the state side because the state does not give you a break for long-term capital gains, but the federal sure does. And if you pop a $10,000 gain on like a sale of a piece of land or something or some stocks, you might have a 0% federal rate. So that's another thing. Uh, I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. You can call me anytime for a second opinion. Uh, I offer a free initial consultation, tax planning, whatever you might need for a free uh, first time we meet kind of thing. And I'm always happy to meet new people and Another tax season is upon us. I always look forward to it. It's a lot of work, but it's kind of like harvest season for the farmers. I will reap what I've sown, and uh, it's it's actually a lot of fun getting to catch up with everybody and mainly help them save money, put more money in their pocket. I won't go into the government spending side of things today. Well, I might mention it later, but uh, okay. So, oh. The individual mandate, remember, if you didn't have health insurance, they gave you a penalty tax per person per month. That is gone, but it's only gone as of January 1st, 2019. That provision is here for 2018, which is, uh, to me, a bit of a surprise. I'm surprised they didn't get rid of that, but for some reason they didn't. So if you don't have health insurance... Better get it now so you don't get the penalty for 2018. Oh, the other thing is the child credit that I was talking about for the $2,000 per child, part of that is refundable, so that could be some money-making opportunity. The other thing is there's now a credit for other dependents that aren't your children. So if you have like a parent that lives with you, there's a $500 tax credit for non-child dependents. So that's... There's a lot of little goodies in here that they're going to help. They're going to help some people. The estate tax, that's the one where you die with property, and if you own too much, they take a percentage of it. 
You can now die with about $11 million per person. Uh, If anybody's ever had the issue of their children under 18 having to pay tax at the parents' tax rate because of what's called unearned income like dividends or capital gains by a child's account, that has been redone to where it only affects children under 18 and they use a rate schedule based on the trust and estate schedule, not the parents' tax rate. So... Uh, Whether that's a big tax saver or not, I'm not sure, but at least it's been clarified a bit. And it does get rid of the parents' penalty tax thing for children under 24 that are still students. They'd no longer pay that unless they have to be under 18. So that's, that's a helpful one. Now, the biggie in this tax law is the business taxes. The corporate rate is now a flat 21% on net regular corporation income. It used to start at 15 for the first 50,000, then it jumped to 25% for the second 50. So a C corporation, which is a regular corporation that netted $100,000 in the old law would pay 20,000 in tax. In the new law, it'll pay 21,000. So small corps with small net incomes are not getting a tax break, but big corps with large net incomes are. The statistic I read, though, was that even though they mentioned the top rate for corpse going from 39 down to 21, what they don't mention is in real life, these corpse do not pay that 39. They end up paying, I think I read the statistic was they end up paying about 13% of net income toward income tax. So my guess is that with these rates down, they'll pay less than before. But it's not a straight shot from 37 down to 21. It'll probably be 13 down to 7 or 8. So they're probably going to save money. I am always of the opinion that lower taxes are better in general because the economy does run on businesses hiring people to work. If you don't have profitable businesses, how are they going to hire people? I also read an article today that was sort of unsettling. In New York, the new minimum wage goes to, uh, don't quote me on this exactly, I believe it's $15 if you employ more than 30 locations, if you have a business with 30 or more locations. So what's ended up happening was, in this article, a pizza chain back in upstate sound like Rochester and around New York is closing 13 stores. So let's think about that for a minute during this break. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. Jesus, he's always existed. This is Ken Ham, president of Answers in Genesis, The Ark Encounter, and The Creation Museum. Ask the question, when did Jesus come into existence? And you'll probably get different answers. Maybe a date like 4 BC or at the beginning of creation. But what does the Bible say? Scripture teaches Jesus has no beginning or end. He's pre-existent. In the Gospel of John, we read that Jesus existed before the world began and that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Apostle Paul writes that Jesus is our creator and sustainer. Jesus isn't a created being like you and me. He's the eternal God who's always been from eternity past and always will be in eternity. In this new year, plan to visit our Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Go to AnswersRadio.com and sign up to receive insights from Ken Ham at AnswersRadio.com. 
You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college, which ends up making the future better for all of us. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA, filling you in on everything business lately here in the first couple days of 2018. Wow. Hard to believe. I remember when the year 2000 came and now it's been 18 years. It's like, no way. It can't have been happening that fast. So a lot of people have been asking on this new tax law, well, what's this deal about pass-through business income? This is the part of this whole new tax law that's very complicated. It's going to benefit a lot of people, but it's going to be kind of difficult to really assess exactly where you're going to land until you really lay everything out. But in general, self-employed people, which is sole proprietors, partners in a partnership or an LLC, S-corporation owners who have a share that goes to them through the S-corp, which is sort of like a hybrid between a corporation and a partnership, that income will have a special deduction of 20% of that pass-through income after you calculate everything else. Now, again, I'm sort of complaining a bit because the way I'm reading all this, let's just take the example of a guy who's, uh, say, a carpenter who's self-employed, contractor, and let's just say he has net income of $100,000. Again, I'm going to complain about the Social Security tax because Social Security plus Medicare for the self-employed person is 15.3%. This 20% deduction is going to happen on page two of the income tax return. It's not going to show up on the business form itself. So that self-employed person's business form where he nets $100,000, that's going to calculate for his Social Security tax. Now, to be honest, I have not seen the new forms. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but based on what I've seen, I don't think I'm wrong. I think I know exactly how this is going to work. I believe the self-employment tax, which I think is the most onerous tax for the average guy working, that tax is probably going to be calculated on the entire 100000 Then, on the second page, underneath those itemized deductions where the new standard deductions, 24000 married, 12000 single, Somewhere around there, you're go- he might be able to list his 20% deduction, which would be a $20,000 deduction, but it's only on the page two. It's not going to help him with his Social Security tax. So he's going to still pay the full 15300 of Social Security plus Medicare on his 100000 net. So again, like I say, that's the tax that hits most of the small business owner types, the guys struggling to raise their family and make as much as they can, that tax is not really being changed from what I can see. Social Security and Medicare are still hitting the working guy really hard, and I disagree with that. And like I say, I won't discuss the fact that I stopped voting about 20 years ago because I believe this system is pretty much history. But I, maybe we're in the final years of the old system. Maybe it'll all change. I don't know. But I'm tired of fighting with people. I'm tired of picking one person over another. I'm tired of saying candidate A is better than candidate B for these reasons. B's better than A for this reason. But I think I'll vote for A because he's got more things that I like. Or he's got, he goes to the right church. Or he's got the right size family or he's you know married with two kids and blah, blah, blah. I got tired of doing that. I, I don't know if you guys still enjoy that. I don't, and I, I enjoy election nights because I can just sit back and sort of, you know, sort of laugh because 
when you look at what's gone on for the last 30 or 40 years in this country, I don't see, I just don't see a lot of improvement. I see some of these uh, crime in these cities like Chicago and Baltimore, if you keep up with that, it's like war zones now. And obviously this whole thing of the great society from Lyndon Johnson in the 60s, I'm not sure it's really helped everyone the way it was intended to. So I'm diverging a little bit. I don't want to get too far off track. Now, there's a new, there's a California Supreme Court case that I wanted to talk with you about today. It relates to what I've talked about over the last couple of months. I've been talking about the next big shoe to drop that's going to cause a lot of trouble is the called the pension crisis. There's a whole thing of what's called unfunded pensions. This is a huge deal that is starting to pop up here and there, kind of like whack-a-mole. There's actual Teamsters pensions in the Midwest that have they've some of the Teamsters guys who had their pension benefits after they retired have actually suffered cuts of 60 and 70% of their monthly income. So they used to get $2,000, they're now getting $800. That's the type of thing that this whole pension mess could end up causing trouble for everyone. What this Supreme Court case is, is they're going to maybe do a decision that has to do with what's called the, I think they call it the California rule. There's an old historical ruling since the 1940s that basically say the government pensions that you sign up for when you begin your work for a government job are so sacrosanct and so untouchable that there is no way that anything could affect that pension in the future. It's in stone. They have to pay you that amount as long as you live, whatever the contract says. And this whole thing is based on this, like a hard red line that says you cannot touch people's government pensions. I read this story, and there's probably more out there. I haven't had time to really dig in and do the research, but I'm going to try to do that for you guys so that next time I talk about this, I can get you a little more detail. There is a California Supreme Court case coming up where they could mess with this thing called the California rule. And they could come in and say, no, it's not a hard and fast line. There can be some monkeying with the pensions. And in fact, there has to be. A California state Supreme Court ruling is not like a federal Supreme Court ruling. It's just a California ruling. But California is one of those leading states that other states do look to. If this were to go against the pension theories in this big California state Supreme Court ruling, that could end up filtering out to other states, and other states can end up kind of copying what California does, which really is sort of a precedent-setting state. We California does influence the other states. It's so big. I mean, when you think about it, I believe the U.S. population's around 350 million, and I believe California's around 40 million. California has one-tenth of the entire population of the U.S. If they were to come out with a Supreme Court ruling in California that said, no, there is no hard and fast red line anymore, pensions can be adjusted based on the money that's available, the rate of return. I've talked to you about this before. The entire giant pension system is based on the people who are in managing the invested money of the pensions making a good, safe return of 7% per year. If you have the treasury bonds of the U.S., which are considered safe, if they're paying 7%, what do you need a manager for? Just put it all in U.S. bonds and earn 7% and you're safe and you did your job. The problem is U.S. bonds are paying under 3%. You have to go out to like the 30-year style to even get over 2%. 
Well, the 10 years might be getting over too. I'm sorry. I don't have that right in front of me. What I'm trying to say is there is no way these pension funds can safely earn 7%. They have to invest in things like Facebook stock, Amazon stock, NASDAQ, you know, the NASDAQ stocks that go flying high and then they crash to 80% crash like in the year 2000. If, if these pensions don't make a safe 7%, which they aren't doing, in fact, one article I read is that they've made about 4.5% over the last 10 years. All I'm saying is that this whole pension situation in the world is going to be a big problem and you need to have more than just your pension as your retirement because that pension is maybe not protected as well as you think. Now, the other alternative to that is, well, maybe the pensions will be protected. So the guy who's the, say, the retired teacher who's getting four or 5000 a month in his Cal, CalSTRS pension, which is the state teacher's retirement system, it may continue to be four or $5,000 a month. But what happens if inflation doubles the price of everything? Then your your four or five thousand a month is now worth twenty five hundred a month. That's the reality of inflation. So there's a lot of scary things right now, and people are a little bit oblivious, in my opinion. If you just watch the mainstream news, you're not going to hear the kind of things I'm talking about today. You won't be prepared for the fact that when inflation happens, things get to be too expensive and whatever money you have is worth a lot less than it was before. In fact, the dollar itself has been dropping pretty pretty heavily lately the last month or two and it's uh it's declining. I know the euro and the other currencies are above them. I think the main thing about the dollar is it's the best choice of currencies, but currencies in general have a tendency to go to zero. I've talked about that before. The average life of a currency is 27 years, and our currency, based on when the gold standard was removed from it, is already 46 years old. So we're actually living on borrowed time as far as the U.S. dollar. I just don't, there's not a lot of safety right now to be had anywhere. Obviously, the stock market keeps going up, but the question is why and who's buying all these things? Is it really the general public? I'm not certain. But there's just too many risks these days. You've got to be really careful. Well, I got one more break. I'm going to come back to you and talk a little more about the Miracle Business Method when I get back. I'll be seeing you in a minute. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned. from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great landing, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally, the best Mount Shasta spring water. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. Uh, it had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger near you. Learn how at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 
That newborn baby is going to need a lot of special nourishment in order to grow up healthy and strong. The same is true for those who are new in their walk with Jesus. The Bible says they need spiritual milk to nourish their souls at a critical point in their life. That's what we try to provide with the teaching and talk on our station. And when you send them your financial support, you're helping to accomplish something powerful. You're helping us get spiritual nourishment to those who vitally need it. So thanks for looking out for those newborns of all ages. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Very first show of 2018. Hopefully it's going to be a good year for everyone. I spent quite a bit of time today talking about this new tax law. It's it's just got a lot of, lot of little twists and turns for business owners. But like I say, I think in general, I think in general people are going to save some tax. So it's it could end up being a good thing. I'm not going to prejudge it right now, but just overall I... I'm kind of thinking people are going to get a little bit more money back and it's going to help a bit. You know, the people who have a lot of work on this are the ones with like the payroll companies because they have to now reprogram everybody's withholding charts for the new rates. That's a lot of work, but I'm sure they're with all their programs and they're, they've been at this for so long they can kind of figure it out. I do kind of wish they would pass these laws maybe a month or two before the end of the year instead of a week or two before the end of the year. Because there's some tax planning that could have happened that uh, not everybody had a chance to really uh, dig in and uh, ask me questions, and I tried to get in touch with the people that it's affecting. But you don't always you don't always catch people in this holiday season. Uh, there's so many people traveling, visiting family, doing uh, lots of things during the holidays. So it's just a real inconvenient time for them to do a big tax law change. But like I say. Most of it is just affecting what's going to happen during 2018, so most of it's not a big deal right at this minute, but it's just, it's kind of exciting when you're a tax guy like me. I've been doing this now for 37 years since I graduated from college. It's just kind of fun with a new tax law. You get new things to learn, new ways to help people, new advice I can give my clients, and it's it's going to be an exciting tax year, season because... There's all kinds of new things to talk about, new ways to plan. If you want to get in on some of that, you can call me at 895-3353. You can email me, herald at hlittlejohn.com. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk to you about your tax situation. I'm sure there's some things we can do, old law and new law, that'll help you and get you the lowest legal. I always like to call it the lowest legal tax possible, which is really... I mean, what more could you what more could you ask? Paying the lowest legal tax—that's really the—it's the best thing you could hope for, in my opinion. Okay, I usually reserve the last few minutes of the show to talk about my new book, and I'm going to do that right now. My book is called *The Miracle Business Method*. It should be out this spring. I will definitely let you know how to get that as soon as it's finally edited and published. It's written it just hasn't been finalized and it's been my labor of love for the last seven or eight years putting it together you can also visit my website miraclebusinessmethod.com i haven't posted a lot on the blog lately but i've uh it's it's just a real exciting thing to actually have a project where you can try to help people and just like in my regular cpa business I'm constantly trying to help people. That's really my bottom line. I know that if I can help people, everything will come to me like it should, and that's the way it works. I don't count dollar signs when I'm talking to someone. I just basically figure if I help them and enrich them somehow, it's all going to come back to me. The point I'm making is that it ties in with the, the book called The Miracle Business Method, and one of the key factors of this miracle business and the the name sort of comes from the fact that one of my biggest influences for the miracle business method is the book called a course in miracles when you first pick up that book you can be overwhelmed if you don't have a basic understanding of what it's talking about in other words it it's just 
until you get the the handle on what it is you're studying, it just sometimes doesn't make sense at the start. One of the keys that helped me the most was finally realizing the answer to the question, what is a miracle? In the context of this book and in the miracle business method, a miracle is a correction. The bottom line in all of the studying I've done of spiritual methods, which includes the Bible, there's two different worlds that our mind is dealing with, and it's it's called a split mind, and it's not really a problem. It's just a fact. We have one half of our mind is in the world, in the physical world. The other half is in the spiritual world. This is a very common theme with lots and lots of old religions and lots and lots of old teachings. And it's also part of this miracle business method. The way that you handle things is you spend as much time in what's called the right mind as you can. All that really is, is stepping back and doing what I've called mind watching you basically just step back in your mind and start observing your own thoughts. And what that does is it separates you from the thoughts of your daily world thoughts that go through your mind all day long. Your mind left unguarded, I won't say unguarded, your mind left un, uh, unwatched will take you down like a river and it'll just take you wherever. If you've ever noticed, if you have a five-minute drive from home to work or a 10-minute drive from home to work, and you might notice that your mind will start thinking about something or other, it'll go to one other thing, then it might go to something else that happened 20 years ago, then it'll come back to what you're thinking for tomorrow, and you arrive at work and it's like, hmm, what just happened in the last 10 minutes? Did I accomplish anything? Did Was my mind doing any productive thinking? Or was it just random thoughts that sometimes are negative? That is where you want to change the mindset that you're in. And that's where this miracle correction thing comes in. The simple correction is you actually step back and start observing your thoughts without judging your thoughts. You don't criticize them. You don't think, oh, that's a good one. That's a bad one. You just observe them. I like to think of it as like watching a parade go by or watching leaves go by on a stream. It's a very passive thing that you're doing because like Eckhart Tolle says in his famous book, The Power of Now, if you watch your thoughts and judge them, then your judging mind, which is your basic worldly mind, has come back in through the back door and now it's snuck back in and it's in control again. So the real basic correction that helps business, helps personal-wise, it helps your frame of mind, and what I like most about the Course in Miracles, or A Course in Miracles is what it's called, is that the goal of the book is stated as peace of mind. There's no goal to hit the lottery. There's no goal to get a new job. There's no goal to uh, live to be 100. The only goal is peace of mind. And when you think about it, what more could anybody really ask for? When you look at your worldly goals, you might say to yourself, well, by the time I'm 40, I want to have my own house and my own business and three cars or something like that, whatever, whatever your list might be. But what normally happens is in our worldly mind, even after we achieve what we said we wanted, we move on to another goal. And now we have a new goal. Now we need a bigger house. Now we need a second house. Now we need to have five cars instead of three. Now we need to have a million dollars in the bank instead of a half a million. I know you know what I'm talking about here. The worldly mind, the, the worldly side of your mind is never going to be happy. But if you begin to visit the other side of your mind as often as you can... 
that's where the corrections take place. Once you start observing your thoughts, you'll realize that, now wait a second, if I'm observing those thoughts going by, who am I and who is that that's thinking those thoughts? You start realizing that you are dealing with what's called a split mind. That's not a bad thing. It's not like a split personality. A split personality would be like having two worldly minds, but you still have your one right mind that you have to access. So having a split mind is not a bad thing. It's the nature of our life. It's the nature of our mind. One of the things, the main stepping stone to the miracle business method is while you're in business or even when you're at home not doing business, you need to step out of the worldly mind as often as possible and merely observe your thoughts without judging. Now that translates into a lot of other exercises that the Miracle Business Method helps people with. One of those that when I mention not judging your thoughts, the other part of that is have you ever tried to spend a day not judging anything? It's not easy. You will find that as you try to do that, you'll slip back into the, what I call the, the wrong, I call it the wrong mind. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the lower mind. It's the worldly mind. But the strain and the, the Course in Miracles has a whole lesson that talks about this directly. The strain of constant judging is almost unbearable. It's sort of like what I was talking about, about the voting situation. You get your voters booklet from the state, Secretary of State. You look through 50 pages of lined out words and new words replacing them and new rules and whether that's going to help me or that's going to help someone else more. Then you read all the opinions of the candidates. It's like, come on, give me a break. How could that ever lead to peace of mind? Even if even if all of your candidates win and all of your propositions pass that you liked, do you really think you're going to have peace of mind after that mess? I can tell you that you won't. You have to realize that there's only one way to be peaceful, and that's to realize that you have to be observing your worldly mind, not being immersed in it. You can't be immersed in the daily this and that judgments. I would encourage you to just give it a try and just try to go 10 or 15 minutes and consciously, number one, observe your mind, watch your thoughts, but number two, don't make any judgments. Don't have any opinions. Don't place one thing higher than another. Don't say, I like vanilla ice cream instead of chocolate. This is, the, this is the way you start approaching a peaceful mind. A Course in Miracles also says a quiet mind is not a small gift. You will find that when you observe your thoughts, everything will start working for you in the right way. Things will happen that you don't need to f- try to force. They'll, just, they'll actually just happen. If your business is slow... Try doing this instead of trying to run around and get more involved in the worldly things. Try to do this. Try to sit back and just watch your thoughts for a while. You might get a phone call out of the blue with a brand new customer. That's the way this works. It's not magic. It's not hocus pocus. It's just the fact that what we see and do all day long is mainly one giant distraction. Our mind needs to be quiet and it needs to be peaceful. When they ask scientists about the moment when they discover their big breakthroughs, they do find that it was during quiet times that these things came to them. It wasn't during their thinking, working times. One that was interesting was, I can't remember the last name, I think it was Howe, H-O-W-E, I believe he was the inventor of the sewing machine. 
and he wasn't able to make it work properly. And he had a dream where he was like being attacked by, uh, like in Africa, being attacked by tribesmen. And as they were throwing the spears at him, the spears had like a hole in the tip. And that was his awakening to the issue he was having with how to make the sewing machine work properly, needing a hole at the end of the needle. Now, to this day, I st- my wife sews quite a bit. To this day, I have no idea how a sewing machine really works, but that's how he got it. And it happened while he was sleeping. It didn't happen while he was thinking. So I'll be back soon with another episode of Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Please practice the miracle business method. You're going to like it. You're going to make more money. Talk to you next time. See you next time on Business Buzz. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Rock House Dining and Espresso is known for their patio. Enjoy the ducks and chickens visiting the patio in their environmental, farm-fresh, lively atmosphere. Rock House is an iconic landmark in Butte County since the 1930s. Seven minutes north of the Lime Saddle Bridge, only two miles past the hardware store. Originally built in 1937, the two buildings served as restaurant and tavern, 